Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. guest host that, that uh, I'm going to introduce here shortly. We're going to talk some WWE, as always. This is our weekly wrestling recap. Today, we're also going to talk about, uh, for the flavor of the week, the top five patriotic gimmicks in honor of our three-year anniversary and our guest host. And we also will talk some Hall of Fame as well. We didn't get a chance to talk much Hall of Fame last uh, week because we had such a power-packed show. And as my boy Derek says, 90 minutes is never enough. And we uh, we kind of kind of squeezed past the you know our, our, our play of the week topics last week. And basically, it was it was a fantastic show. Thank you so much for the uh, two weeks, two straight weeks of. Uh, Wrestling roundtable discussion. Uh, we definitely have much more of that here coming soon, and we, we're just going to have so so much fun. I'm so excited. I'm so indebted. I'm so thankful for three years on the air. I mean, I've I've done. I'm, I'm I've been a journalist for quite some time, so that that requires a lot of research and a lot of people, and. 
I look at popular MCs and VJs and uh, different like hosts, television hosts, and I, I look a lot. I look a lot of at their background or in the record, and I and I think about just I mean in their history. I, I think about. Just a lot of them start off with a year to having their own radio show, um, you know, and, and, and then kind of fell off. Of course, they found good opportunities, you know, um, promising opportunities and landed good spots. But, you know, I, I am so happy to, to be on this show every week and to say on top of this show, I've had so many amazing opportunities from this show and I would just just continue to be indebted to thank all the people who have supported me as a, a person as a wrestling journalist as a sports journalist as a writer as a featured columnist as a featured editor I mean just the opportunities in, with, in this past three years has been so humbling so mind-boggling that I spent so much of my time thinking about being at this moment here. And it's a lot of times, you know, it just seems as if things seems insurmountable and, and it's such a, a big hill to climb and, and such an insurmountable hill to climb. And you get that feeling sometimes when you have a big old dream. You're like, oh, it's going to be so tough to, to get there, so tough to – um, so so tough to be able to achieve it, and so tough to be able to to really get to the dream. But I tell you what, man, uh, you just gotta do it, and that's what really that, uh, that that's what helped me so much within just being able to to really have the opportunity to to be here and to and to achieve my dreams. I've always wanted to be in the field of professional wrestling in some form or some fashion. And like I've said before on many, many episodes, you know, I've had a few wrestling contracts. I used to amateur wrestle. I've been a personal trainer for uh, 10 years now. And so I've had an opportunity to really train. I've even done some MMA training. I've really had an opportunity to really, really, uh, I, I really had an opportunity for, for a long time to be in the business, to, to really train and prepare myself to be in this business and to be, you know, in wrestling in some form or some fashion. But uh, I tell you, man, it's, uh, it's, it's so amazing. When I, years ago, when I thought about, you know, all of the, the, the awesome journalists and editors and writers of, of the time, you know, 10, 15 years ago, the Vince Russo's, the Ed Ferrara's, you know, uh, the Dave Lagana's, you know, you, you name it as far as uh, uh, Brian Gortz, you know, all the awesome writers of, of, of pro, pro wrestling. I was like, man, I, I really, somehow I got to be in that somehow as far as writing is concerned. I've always been a writer. I've always loved writing. My undergrad is in public relations. So I loved writing. I've always loved writing. And so I was like, man, you know, how, how do I still get to the point where I, I'm in wrestling? I love wrestling. I want to write about wrestling. 
And uh, man, I'm just so thankful that uh, three years, uh, three yeah, three years ago, I just said, I want to do it. I want to do it. I consulted with a few buddies of mine just to, for some encouragement. Uh, Ryan Fuqua, one of our co-hosts, was uh, he was supportive from day one. He he was really supportive at day one. I came up with the vision, and I it was it's so amazing that I, I came up with the vision, and I and I talked to Ryan. We, him and I actually had a talk at Starbucks because like, I was so serious about it. I talked with Ryan. I said, "Dude, I'm going to do it. I want to do it. Where I'm going to start a radio show." And if you're on board, you're on board. I love for you to be. And he was, you know, supportive from day one. And man, I, you know that 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 took off. And my boy Derek used to work with him, you know, about six years ago, close to six years ago. And found out he was in love with professional wrestling. Used to be a wrestler himself. And I told him, I said, dude, I'm going to start a radio show. I, I got to do it. I got to start now. I just got to delve into it. I, I have writing experience, but I don't have much journal. I don't have much radio journalism experience. All of my journalism was through writing. Um, so that was most of my time. That was that was most of my opportunity to to really shine. But I tell you what, man, I just I just delve into it. I just went. And I didn't stop. I didn't quit. And three years later, we're here. And I'm so honored. I'm so thankful. You know, I might sound big show sappy right now, but so be it. I'm just so amazed by all of the people who supported me throughout the three years. You know, Bleacher Report for, for hanging on and giving me an amazing opportunity um net, which is the live stream they um I used to write for wrestling inc and uh uh they they're they're big advocates they 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 were a big advocates at one point in time of wrestling inc and uh just the the opportunity to uh um the, them linking up with me and you you know uh, being a, a big fan of my writing and just really jumping on with on the, uh, supporting me for for quite some time now uh, and now, you know, they feature my show every week on their site. Uh, amazing people over there. PWmany.com, another opportunity that I have now that, you know, they gave me an opportunity. Uh, were interested in me. So, you know, kudos to them. And all the people, all the sites and all the books and all the interviews that I've contributed with for, you know, just because I decided to go, just because I decided to, to do it and to not give up. You know, there were times where ratings dipped, <laughs> and uh, Derek and I had, con- you know, conversations about like, you know, year a couple years ago, we we're like, man, you know, what are we- <laughs> what's going on? Uh, you know, should we keep it going? And and just, you know, we, you know, I'm gonna be transparent. It's our three year anniversary. We really had conversations of, you know, should we keep going? And then we just persevered. And because of our perseverance, because of our heart. Uh, we just can we just can continue. Uh, you know, I told Derek we we, we got to keep going, and because of that, we've got even better opportunities, better than ever. The show keeps conti- the show continues to be amazing, and I'm so honored. So, without further ado, to celebrate our three year anniversary, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the Patriot Dell. Wilkes, it is such an honor to be for you to be on the show tonight, sir. 
Well, I appreciate you having me, and I apologize for the delay. I uh, I got a lot going on in the process of moving, and, and uh, so we were working late tonight. It's a little after 11 o'clock here in South Carolina. And uh, where I'm moving from and moving to is about 40 miles apart, and my phone mm-hmm. has absolutely very little charge left on it. So I, um, if I do lose you before I get home, as soon as I get inside, I'll hit the charger and call you right back. But I want to go ahead and call you. Like I said, I would do 15 minutes from then. So uh, appreciate you having me. All on. right. Fantastic, man. I, I appreciate you um, just spending time even through, even through moving and doing, you know, making some life changes yourself to uh, spend some time with, with hanging out with us tonight as our guest host. So let's get into the life. Let's get into the wrestling career of the Patriot Del Wilkes. Now, when you first started wrestling, you, you first got your break about 25 years ago, a little, a little bit over 25 years ago, uh, with the AWA. So before you went to AWA, you played college football, if I'm not mistaken. And let us know your transition from college football. What did you want to do when you went to South Carolina? What, did you, what were you going for? And what made you decide to take the pro wrestling route? Well, I'm a South Carolina native. I've been uh, born, born and raised in Columbia, and, and the University of South Carolina is in Columbia. And um, uh, in high school, I started being recruited. I was started uh, the recruiting process, and I was recruited by most major universities in the southeast. But it was a pretty easy choice for me. Growing up a Gamecock fan, I knew that I was going to play football at the University of South Carolina. I played there from 1980 through 1984. Um, had a very good career, ended up my career uh, as a first-team consensus All-American, most valuable player on my team in 1984, uh, captain of that team. And at that time, it was the most successful team in South Carolina history. Now, I also grew up a big wrestling fan, and uh, I'd go to the Township Auditorium in Columbia, South Carolina on Tuesday nights and watch pro wrestling, Jack and Jerry Briscoe, Rip Hawk, Sweet Hanson, uh, guys like that. And uh, I knew that one day, whenever football ended, that I was going to pursue a career in pro wrestling. And I had a very brief NFL career, 1985 and 86. Uh, The Falcons released me prior to the start of the 86 season. So I came back home to Columbia. And uh, in late 86 or either early 87, I decided that I would go through a wrestling school that at the time existed here in Columbia and it was owned and operated by the fabulous moolah, Lillian Ellison. And uh, so that's how my career started. Once football was over with, I just transitioned into pro wrestling. That's fantastic. So uh, that's – that's, and we we, we hear a lot of that as far as, you know, ex-football players decide, you know, having a a knack and and, and a desire to be a pro wrestler. Now, who did you grow up? just really um, wanting to emulate. Who, who are some of the wrestlers that, that uh, you grew up just, just really, uh, be, be, you know, them being a role model, just really looking up to? And other than Mula, who helped train you uh, on your way to, you know, becoming an established wrestler in the American Wrestling Association? Well, growing up as a kid, I, I was a Jack Briscoe mark. I mean, Jack Briscoe was it, brother. As much as I love football, Jack Briscoe was the baddest thing on two wheels. And, um, of course, I also uh, 
I grew up in South Carolina, so all I got to see was Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling. And uh you mm-hmm. saw the Briscoes and you saw uh Rip Hawk Sweet Hanson, the Missouri Mauler, Brute Bernard, uh I occasionally would see Wahoo. Occasionally I would get Florida Championship Wrestling. Uh, but those guys that were in the Mid-Atlantic area is what I grew up watching and uh, loved it. But once I got into the business and uh, started training at Moolah's, I was very fortunate that on one of her shows, um, she had Wahoo McDaniels on there. And um, uh, she was running the show here in Columbia. And uh, Wahoo was working for Vern Gagne at the time in the AWA. And Wahoo uh, had a home in Charlotte. And he was spending the holidays in Charlotte around Christmas. And Mula was running a little show here in Columbia. And um, so she had Wahoo on the show. And that was when I met Wahoo. And that's who, probably more than anybody else, at least at that particular time, had an influence on me was Wahoo. Um, After I met Wahoo, I literally went out on the road with him for the next couple of years. He got me hired up in the AWA and uh, and then when he was working here in the Carolinas, wherever Wahoo went, he made sure that Dell went. And uh, we spent hours and hours and hours on the road together and um, literally took me under his wing and just taught me the business. And it was quite a quite a thing. This was a guy I'd watched on TV as a kid. Now I'm traveling mm-hmm. with him. And uh, when he lived in Charlotte at the time, he also uh, had a roommate by the name of Ray Stevens, one of the greatest workers ever in the business, and uh, so not only did I get to spend a lot of time on the road with, with Wahoo, but also with Ray. And uh, as a young wrestler, you can't ask for two better guys to learn the business from than Wahoo and Ray. Yeah, the crippler. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Ray, Ray Stevens is, uh, yeah, he's actually one of the most uh, – he had a history of being one of the toughest wrestlers. A lot of people said that, you know, he was one of the toughest wrestlers to get in the ring with. And um, definitely a first ballot, you know, uh, shoe-in WWE Hall of Famer. Um, without without question, you know, coming up soon, there are some rumors that this year was the year for him. But uh, um, I'm sure within the next year or two, we'll see Ray Stevens in, in the Hall of Fame without question. So you started – Wrestling, you start doing some some training with 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 the fabulous Mula, and your first time, your first years, your first moments in the AWA was it was a goosebumps and meeting Vern for the first time. I know, uh, you know, there's been a history of Vern having some of the one of the most intense and brutal training camps of all time. You know, uh, second to Stu Hart. Let us know about uh, time with Vern Gagne and meeting him and, and getting the opportunity to wrestle for the AWA. Well, it was a big move for me. Um, I, uh, I I got to meet Vern, got to meet Greg, um, and there were guys. You know, the AWA at that time wasn't what it once was. Uh, it basically was a TV company at that time. They had the uh, their show come on ESPN. Uh, weekdays mm-hmm. through Fridays from four to five o'clock, uh, but they still had a lot of good talent in there. Uh, Ox Baker and, and of course they'd bring in Sarge, but um, it, w- it was neat getting to meet Vern and uh, and uh, and those guys in the AWA and what a great history they had. Basically, at one time anybody that was ever anybody in the business had been through Minneapolis and worked for Vern, and mm-hmm. um, 
I um, I got to spend some time in the ring. As a matter of fact, I rented a room in the basement of Brad Williams' house, and uh, Brad had a great career over in Japan and, and was a good technical wrestler, and he had a ring set up at his house, so I uh, was able to get in a lot of ring time with Brad and and uh, other guys like Pat Tanaka and Paul Diamond and uh, guys like that. So those guys were very helpful early in my career. Awesome. That's that's awesome. So how did the trooper gimmick emerge? Well, there was a guy that uh, helped train me uh, that worked for Moolah. Uh, Back then, uh, for those that recall and those that know the history of wrestling, um, when when the TV shows were taped, uh, they brought in guys that that would be the only time they'd work TV shows. They were called enhancement guys. They used to be called job guys. Mm-hmm. They were called enhancement guys. And Moolah had a few guys that she would occasionally send up, uh, and they would work uh, Vern's TV, I mean, um, uh, Vince's TV, just in an, an enhancement match. And uh, one of the guys that she had was actually a local um, deputy sheriff in one of the counties right outside of Columbia. And um, so on the weekends when he would wrestle and work with the little shows that Muller would run, he worked as the uh, the super enforcer. And he looked just like he did when he work, went to work every day uh, as, mm-hmm. a, uh, as a deputy sheriff. Well, when I was uh, in Minneapolis and had been up there for a few months working for Vern, and, of course, Wahoo worked in the office as well there working for those guys, he sent me a tape, uh, the guy that worked as a super enforcer and asked me if I would pass it on to Wahoo, and I did. And a few weeks later, Wahoo came back to me and said, look, we have no interest in the guy. He goes, but we do like the gimmick, and we do like the character. And so Wahoo and Greg Gagne and Vern Gagne sat down with me and explained to me this character called the Trooper and what they saw it being and, and, and the way they wanted it to look and the way they wanted it to present itself to the people. And... Uh, that was their idea. I give them credit for it. And uh, as a young, upcoming wrestler, this was really my first big break. It was going to be my first time ever working on nationwide TV on ESPN. So, uh, so I was all in, man. I'm all for it. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. And and, and for those who followed AWA, we we know that the the, the trooper was uh, definitely not. <laughs> very uh, similar, not not similar at all to uh, the the character that who you became uh, known for. Um, you, you stayed you stayed in, in AWA for only a few years, uh, mainly because uh, you know closed down uh, towards the the latter part of your your time there. So the the three or so years that you were in the AWA, let us know some. Some some notable feuds that you were in. Of course, you won the tag team championships with uh, DJ Peterson towards the the latter part of uh, the the uh, AWA. It's actually one of the, the the last episodes of the AWA in, in 1990. Let us know just your time there, the notable feuds that you have, and your partnership with uh, DJ Peterson. Well, matter of fact, DJ and I were the very last tag team champs in the AWA. And uh, mm-hmm. so um, I, I do take pride in that, that we were tag team champs in the last. Um, so we had uh, we had some good feuds with the Destruction Crew, Wayne Bloom and Mike Enos. Um, also, before DJ teamed with uh, with Paul Diamond some, and uh, mm-hmm. also uh, just as a singles wrestler, 
uh, had a feud with Larry Zabisco uh, that was a lot of fun and uh, and really enjoyed that and come very close to winning the belt from Larry because Larry was a heavyweight champ there at the time. He had the heavyweight belt. And um, on one of the TV shows for the uh, for the belt, uh, I came within just a few seconds of getting the belt from Larry and then also had the opportunity in some six-man tag matches, um, sort of as a superpowers tag team, uh, it was me and Nikita Koloff uh, and Sergeant Slaughter uh, teaming together. So I had the opportunity to do that then. They had turned Nikita babyface, and uh, so I had the opportunity to work several um, several times with Sarge and Nikita. So uh, it was quite a thrill. And I think one of the biggest thrills for me was um, just working a regular uh, house show in uh, in North Dakota. And uh, Greg came to me one night. Uh, I think we were in Jamestown, North Dakota. And uh, he told me that I was working main event that night with Harley Race. And, uh, nice. I, I knew who Harley Race was, obviously, growing up a wrestling fan. And not only was I going to be working with Harley Race, but that Harley was going to put me over. And uh, I just couldn't believe it. And I said, uh, I questioned Greg. I said, does Harley know that he's doing this? He said, yeah, Harley knows he's doing this. And I said, is Harley all right with this? He said, sure, Harley's all right with this. He said, it's just a spot show. He said, it's not TV. He said, but still, we, we think that much of you, and, and we want to build the company around you. Of course, unfortunately, the company didn't last very long, but still, they had the kind of confidence in me and belief in me that, uh, you know, that they would put me in the ring with Harley, and Harley had no problem going out and putting me over. Wow, that's absolutely amazing. Well, one of the well, one company that did revolve around you uh, was the GWF, the Global Wrestling Federation, that uh, started in the early '90s. It was another infectious type of. It wasn't necessarily an indie show, but it did it did transition. It it did carry that ESPN flair that uh, AWA had, uh, GWF was aired on ESPN. I remember as a, as a kid, uh, elementary and middle school kid at the time, uh, when uh, watching GWF, uh, yeah, I was actually in middle school, uh, watching the GWF and, and just, uh, <laughs> oh, man, it was absolutely amazing. I remember watching the TV title finals and the, the, the this guy that just really encapsulated the the really the the the, the point and, and the purpose and just the the feel and the essence of the global wrestling federation was a guy named the Patriot, and he came in in his American garb and the the fans just absolutely fell in love with him from the very very beginning. So, how in the world did the trooper? become the Patriot? Well, good question. Uh, once the AWA folded and went out of business, um, I, um, I made one trip to Japan uh, for all Japan Pro Wrestling. I worked a tour over there for Bob and them and uh, then came back and uh, the, AW, um, uh, the AWA had folded. And uh, there were rumors that there was going to be a company out of Atlanta uh, that was starting up that was going to have the same show or the same TV time slot 
on ESPN that the AWA had Monday through Fridays from 4 to 5 o'clock called the Global Wrestling Federation. And for the longest, it was just a rumor. There was this rich businessman out of Africa that was going to invest millions of dollars in this upstart wrestling company. And we heard that forever and forever, it seemed like. Actually, it was just a few months, I think. Uh, but when you're young and you're hungry and you're looking for something and an opportunity, it seems like an eternity. But eventually, someone did invest some money. It wasn't the guy from Africa that everybody said it was going to be. But uh, it was some folks from Georgia there that invested some family money. And um, Joe Petticino and Bill Eady were, were running the show. And uh, I got a call. And they said they were going to FedEx me a plane ticket to fly to Dallas, Texas, for the very first global, global uh, or GWF TV taping. They wanted me part of the crew. Now, all they told me was to bring my gear. And uh, I thought that meant that I was going to work either as Dell Wilkes or the trooper. I figured it would probably be the trooper because that's what I had just been doing uh, a few months before uh, for the AWA on ESPN. And literally just a few hours before we were to leave the hotel and go to the Sportatorium, the world-famous Sportatorium in Dallas, Texas, Bill Eady, Joe Petticino called me. They were in Joe's uh, motel room. We were all staying at the same motel. And uh, they said, we need you to walk across the parking lot. Come over to Joe's room. We want to talk to you. Got an idea. And I had no clue what to expect, but I went. I was called, so I went. And uh, got in and sat down with them. And they said, we've got an idea for a character we think that could really, really, really take off. Uh, now, I take you back. This was uh, when, uh, I think either in 90 or 91, when uh, Iraq had gone into Kuwait and liberated Kuwait, and we had gone in with our military to liberate Kuwait. And uh, obviously when something like that happens, patriotism is at, a, is at a fever pitch. And they said because of what's going on politically in the country, what's going on militarily in the, in the country or over in the Middle East, with us going into uh, Kuwait and liberating Kuwait and trying to drive uh, Saddam Hussein and Iraq back out of Kuwait, patriotism's pretty high right now. We got an idea for a character, and they literally had a costume box right there in Bill's hotel room, and they opened it up and they pulled out a red, white, and blue pair of tights and a red, white, and blue set of trunks to go over that. They pulled out a red, white, and blue mask. And then they had a red, white, and blue vest with it. And they said, it's a character called the Patriot. And we think you're the guy for it. And we think it'll really be something that the people will really get behind. And I said, I'm in. Again, I'm a hungry kid. I'm wanting to, to, to get a break in the business. And I'm wanting to, to, to uh, you know, move up in the business. So if these guys think I'm, I'm the guy to do this, and I'm all in. And uh, that night, when we did our very first TV taping, Nobody had ever seen that character there. And uh, when I walked through that door and walked down that aisle, that place erupted. And uh, I knew then that we were on to something good and to something special. Uh, and it definitely was. Wow, it absolutely was. I, You know, I remember I, I from, from the womb I've been a wrestling fan. So, you know, I've always been just hungry to watch all things wrestling. And I remember as a kid, you know, watching World Class, watching uh, IWCCW. Uh, it came on like, you know, uh, <laughs> moon, moon dawn in the morning, 
And, yeah, it was just I watched, you know, everything. Every time I can grab something wrestling, I would just surf the channels. Even as a, you know, six, seven, eight, nine-year-old kid, you know, in, in the 80s, just surfing anything for wrestling. And I remember, you know, I've always been an ESPN guy. I've always been into sports, even as a little kid. And I remember – I remember tuning in, I mean, of course, to AWA. And then when AWA went off, uh, I tuned in and ESPN for Global uh, Wrestling Federation. And I, I remember the Patriot character being so infectious. And I remember other characters like, uh, you know, uh, Buddy Landell and the Lightning Kid and uh, Jerry Lynn, Soul Taker, and when uh, – uh, when uh, uh, just a lot of just a lot of characters that was in there, uh, of course, hot stuff, Eddie Gilbert, uh, and, and just uh, so many. Al Perez, another one with Gary Hart, a, a lot of characters, a lot of people that really, really uh, either were established like Butch Reed, uh, or really making a name for themselves like uh just you know like Johnny Hawk and of course the Ebony experience which was uh one of the reasons why Booker T what became one of my all time favorite wrestlers because I remember him in the Ebony experience and, and yourself. There was such an amazing breed of wrestlers that really got their really became who they were really became established, really used GWF as a launching pad. Now, let us know the the people who you absolutely loved working with in the GWF. Well, uh, before I do that, I'll tell you a few other names that were there uh, that were just really their careers taken off was Cactus Jack, um, the handsome stranger, the handsome stranger who was uh, Mark Bagwell. Bagwell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then and then you also, of course, Stan Lane was there. He was an established star at that time, but um, mm-hmm. and then uh, uh, Scott, Scotty uh, Scotty the Body was there, and uh, so there was yep. there was a lot, like you said, a lot of established talent, but a lot of up and coming talent as well too. And it was an exciting time. Uh, I I worked a lot with um, I worked with Buddy Landell. I worked with Al Perez. I worked with Doug Gilbert. Uh, I, of course, I worked with with the Cactus. Uh, enjoyed working with those guys. Worked with um, uh, um, uh, uh, Scotty. Um, I worked Soul Taker. Worked with Soul Taker. Worked with all all those guys, man. And just had a lot of fun mm-hmm. doing so. And it was a great learning time for me as well, because uh, a lot of those guys that I worked with again were more established, experienced stars at that particular time than I was. But they had decided mm-hmm. that they wanted to, uh, you know, they wanted to build the company around me and and, and uh, make me their top babyface there. So uh, I was happy about that. But I was also glad to get the opportunity to work with those established guys too, to learn from them, and to be in the ring with them and just watch them, uh, you know, look through the curtain and watch them. So uh, it was it, yeah. it was it was a real exciting time. It really was. We we thought we had something that maybe could sustain itself and and eventually compete with WCW and WWF. Unfortunately, we just didn't have the money they did. We didn't have the pockets that they did. But uh, it sure was fun and exciting while it lasted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. I loved coming home after school and, and watching some Global Wrestling Federation. And 
there, there were just so many awesome times and and it is so funny a couple of years ago uh i watched a, a marathon I, I dvr'd like 10 12 hours probably even more than that actually it was on espn classics a couple a couple of years ago a marathon came on i remember watching all these episodes you know 25 you know almost 25 years back but just the you know just to fast forward almost 25 years you know 20 to 25 years and just see all of just the the really even green but hungry talent that the GWF had and just you know for them to to, to really choose you like you said as the, as the top baby face uh, I'm sure that was an amazing feeling so you started off be, being the television champion you actually won uh, the TV championship, uh, you know, the, the inaugural uh, TV championship in, in 91. Uh, and then, you know, not too far after that, you, you feuded for the, um, the, the top title, which was the North American Heavyweight Championship. Um, let us know how it was for, you know, they, they were building the company around you, but the the moment when they said that you're going to be the top guy and win the, the, the championship, uh, describe to us that feeling that you had. I'm sure there was a time – I'm sure that you kind of had that feeling like you – you made it in a sense. Like you still, you still got so much to go. There's still so much to climb. So still so much, you know, this road to travel. But I'm sure that it was a I made it sense that probably uh, you were feeling at the time. Let us know your thoughts on becoming the North American Heavyweight Championship. You know, winning that title in DWF. Well, there's always moments throughout your career. Um, I don't care if it's in uh, what form of athletics it's in, what from maybe football or, or pro wrestling, there are moments that just reaffirm that, yeah, I'm doing the right thing and I'm headed in the right direction and other people think I can do this too. And one of the big ones for me was when Wahoo, you know, uh, took a liking to me. Another big one for me was when Harley Race put me over. Uh, but then another huge, huge moment for me that just reaffirmed, hey, I do have a career in this business. And not only you know, do I think that, but these folks think, think, think that as well. It's when they decided they were going to put the belt on me and make me the North American heavyweight mm-hmm. champion. And, and uh, with Al Perez, listen, I, had, uh, I knew who Al Perez was before I got into business. I knew who Stan Lane was. I knew who Bill Eby was. I knew who all those guys were before I even got into the business, but here I am in the ring with these guys, and these guys are putting me over, and they're doing so for a reason and a purpose because they think mm-hmm. I'm worthy of being the top babyface in this business. And uh, it makes you feel good. It makes you feel like you made the right decision and your hard work's paid off and that, wow, I, you know, I'm on nationwide TV Monday through Friday. I'm the top babyface with this company yeah, I think I got a shot here. I think I've got a career. I think I've made the right choice. Yeah. Were, were there any discussion of turning you hill in the GWF? They had uh, – it had been brought up. Uh, I don't think with ever really ever any serious uh, consideration or serious discussion um, but yeah, it, it had been brought up, uh, and of course they, uh, you know, they later brought in Doug Gilbert as, um, mm-hmm. you know, my dark side, the dark patriot, 
and he and I worked mm-hmm. together. Of course, uh, you know, enjoyed working with Doug. And uh, but you know, there was some brief discussion on it, but I don't know that anything ever really got serious about uh, about making that happen. Yeah, I think that uh, <laughs> I think it would have been you know uh, almost akin to a, a 1996 Hulk Hogan bash at the beach turn uh, if you would have made that made that jump to the the dark side, so to speak, because you were so over in the GWF. And just, you know, just the the Dallas-Austin, you know, crowd, the the, the Texas crowd, period, uh, just – and, and and we even seen this on Raw. We'll talk about that here on the show later. But just the I, I love the the Texas crowd because the Texas crowd still has the good guy and bad guy feel uh, to them. And just watching the people at the Dallas Sportatorium, how legendary that was. Now I'm sure the cameras made it really seem like it was a packed house, but. Wrestling in the wrestling every week at the Sportatorium. How many people usually was at a show that we saw on TV? You know, I don't know exactly how many was there. It wasn't that big a building anyway. It, it, it's like the Township Auditorium here in Columbia, my hometown. Not a not an overly big building, but the people are right on top of you. It was an old wooden structure. I mean, my goodness. Uh, Back in the 50s, uh, George Jones and Elvis Presley had, had performed there. And um, even though it wasn't a glamorous venue, it, it was just legendary. And it was hot. There was no air conditioning. They just had big exhaust fans uh, up in the rafters. And uh, it, it was just, it, man, you talk about old school. It was just hot and sweaty. Yeah. And, of course, when the GWF first started there, it was in the summer. And... Uh, and, you know, now they've asked me to wear a mask, and I've never wore a mask. Well, I had wore a mask before, but not in conditions like that. And uh, all I had to do was put it on, and within five minutes, I mean, I was just sweating profusely. But uh, but yet, you know, the people right on top of you, they were loud, they were rambunctious, they were into everything you did. And uh, it was just a, a great a great group of people to be in front of, maybe not the biggest crowd I've ever worked in front of, certainly but one of the more excitable crowds I've ever worked in front of. Wow, absolutely amazing. Yeah, so unfortunately, it, it didn't last long. Um, uh, we 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 have some some comments here on the RealWrestling.net live stream. Um, <laughs> love the Sportatorium, love shows there. Were you ever, were you or any of your buddies ever attacked? Uh, before or during a match. Now, I'm sure that this wouldn't apply to you because you were such a good guy at the time. But the, the good, the good and the bad guys. You know, at, at, pro wrestling in the late '80s and early '90s was such a larger than life type of entity that people <laughs> people believed that it was so real and they were so engulfed in the in the in the real the reality so to speak of the fantasy and you know people really thought bad guys were just devilish and just really bad guys and villainous guys in real life that did, did anyone have you, you ever remember any stories you ever recall any stories of people actually uh wanting to you know, hurt any of the villains? 
Oh, yeah. we. I mean, you know, throughout my career, I saw instances where people, you know, would get in somebody's face. I, I, I saw I saw a guy slap Wahoo, uh, uh, what is it, his, uh, his bonnet, his feathers. I saw a guy slap him in the back of his head. Mm-hmm. One night as he was walking to the ring and Wahoo just turned around and pummeled this dude. I mean, just beating like a dog. Um, but, you know, with me being this just ultimate baby face, uh, I never experienced any of that until later in my career. I never had anybody mm-hmm. come after me or try to attack me until I was actually working uh, in the WWF and working with uh, with Bret Hart in Canada. Uh, not until then did I, ex- did I experience people trying to get in the ring, people getting in the ring, coming after me. But uh, I-, I never experienced any of that myself personally in those global days, but I- I've seen it happen throughout my career on many occasions. Yeah, absolutely. And then you go to Japan. Unfortunately, um, before you go to Japan, you know, the demise of, of the GWF. So before – well, how actually, did you – Actually, uh, let, me, let me correct you on that one. Actually, I left the GWF before it folded. I had an opportunity yeah, to go to you, Japan. You went in 92. Yeah, you went in 92 yeah. and it folded in 94, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went. Uh, mm-hmm. I had uh, I had always wanted another opportunity to go back and work for Baba uh, because things didn't go so well when I worked the first went the first time and worked as a trooper. So a little later down the road, when I'm more established, uh, more experienced, uh, just better at my craft, when the opportunity arose again in '92 to go back, that's when I went back and just told the guys at Global that I was leaving. Uh, I didn't know what would happen if I would if it would be a, a one-shot thing for me to go to Japan, but, uh, you know, I would not be a part of any TV tapings for the next uh, for the next month at least because I was going to Japan and had an opportunity to go back as the Patriot. And it turned into a full-time mm-hmm. thing. I never went back to Global after that. Right. Yeah, I remember that because towards the latter parts, um, you know, there were some – there were still some, some names that uh, were – Still popular, you know, like Hollywood John Tatum, and 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 and, and you know, uh, still you know Scotty Flamingo and uh, uh, Chaz, and you know names like that were still uh, were still big. Um, uh, but at the same time, you know, it still didn't have the Patriot. You know, Del Wilkes wasn't there anymore, and you you went to Japan for for a couple of years. And um, the, the, let us know your the couple of years that you had in Japan. Was it you got the opportunity. Did, did it really live up to, to what you wanted to have and what you wanted to uh, – was your opportunity just – did it live up to the hype? Uh, were you happy there? Let us know your takeaways in, in Japan. Yeah, it, it more than lived up to the hype. Uh, I, I think at least when I was in the business, uh, it, the perception was amongst the boys that if you could work in Japan – you could work anywhere. It was literally a feather mm-hmm. in your cap to be asked to work for New Japan or All Japan. And here they were inviting me back after not too successful tour the very first time I went a few years earlier. And uh, it was obvious uh, just a few nights in that things were different, that I was better. Uh, I was just more established. I was bigger. I was better. I looked better. And um, it wasn't but just a few nights in that uh, Mr. Baba approached me about working for him full-time. And uh, 
that at that point in time was a highlight of my career uh, because, I mean, I knew what it meant to work for Baba and for Baba to want you to be part of his company and be one of the full-time guy genes that work for him. And I work for what I consider, even to this day, I work with the greatest lineup of wrestlers I ever worked with when I worked in, New J- I mean, all Japan. Uh, when you take into consideration Stan Hansen, Terry Gordy, Dr. Mm-hmm. Dave Williams, mm-hmm. Doug Furness, Danny Crawford, uh, uh, Masawa, Kabashi, Tawei, Kawada. Man, I mean, you don't get any better than that. Jackie Fulton, Bobby Fulton, Tommy Rogers, those were the guys that were working regular for Mr. Bob at that time. And uh, that's phenomenal talent, man. I mean, that's and, and that's the reason we did the business that we did. Um, I mean, we had something like close to 200 consecutive sellouts in the Tokyo era, uh, in the Tokyo area. And uh, so, yeah, it was more than what I thought it was. Business was phenomenal, and I was a part of it. And they were giving me a big push. And uh, so, it was it was more than, than than what I'd ever dreamed it would be. Yeah, yeah, I'd imagine because those names that you said <laughs> alone are just you know dynamite names uh, for for sure. And so you were you were over in, in AJPW, and so that land that landed a, a spot in WCW, and of course you know we know you in WCW with your your team with uh, Bagwell Stars and Stripes now. You're only, you're only in, in in WCW for for a little bit, and then you had another run in Japan. But let us know your time in, in, in WCW. It didn't seem like it was as you expected. It would it would imagine that because of the steam that was coming from GWF, and then your run in Japan, that you would have a more prominent spot than just being in the text. And now, granted. You know, you you had an opportunity to work with, uh, you know, Marcus Alexander, who became Buff Bagwell, Stars and Tribes. You, you won the tag team championship there, uh, but in your short run in WCW, let us know how you really felt and, and, and your takeaways of uh, of your run with with WCW. Well, the the reason, the only reason I left all Japan was just because of the physicality. Uh, nature uh, of our work over there. It was just a more stiff style. Uh, and, it, you know, it was just tougher on your body. I loved working there better than I loved working anywhere I ever worked. But after a while, mm-hmm. I just needed a, I just needed a break. And, and plus I had, I had a family, uh, you know, here in the States and, and I just didn't like the idea of being away from them a month at a time. So the opportunity, opportunity presented itself go to work for WCW and they were doing things by committee. They're booking by committee. Uh, Eric Bischoff was in charge, but when I was in the AWA, Eric was a uh, color commentator. He was our, our uh, you know, our voice on TV on our TV show. So I knew Eric from there. Mm-hmm. Greg Gagne was on the booking committee uh, in WCW, and of course I knew Greg also from the AWA days. So uh, you know they presented me with an opportunity to come home and and. Uh, not have to travel halfway around the world to go to work and not have to spend 30 days on the road at a time and be away from my family for 30 straight days, come back to the States and work. And uh, I did so. And I did so under the pretense that I was going to do, uh, I'd be, you know, pushed in, as a single wrestler. Uh, now, having said that, uh, it was a, 
a lot of great tag teams in the company at the time, and I felt like they could. Um, I think they felt like they could put another one together with Marcus and I. Uh, but also, too, it was a very. Um, I don't know. It was it was just a very cliquish company that just bought not shortly after I got there. They just bought Hogan in from from Vince, and they brought in Beefcake, and I think the Nasty Boys, and they brought in Savage, and I, I don't know. It was just it, it seemed like all of a sudden those were the guys that that, that you know mattered, and those were the guys they were pushing uh, were those established WWF stars that had been working for Vince for a number of years. And so they went in and raised his talent and, and brought those guys in and put everybody under big guaranteed contracts. And it uh, seemed like the rest of us just sort of became an afterthought uh, once they had Hogan mm-hmm. in there and once they had Beefcake and once they had uh, uh, Savage. Then, you know, that became the focus of the company. And um, and then, you know, you just felt like you were sort of just mired in that tag team thing there. So I think I spent two years there. I signed a three-year deal with them. After a couple of years, I went to Eric and asked him if he'd let me out of my final year of the deal, that I wasn't going to go to work for anybody in the States, any competition, any direct competition, that I had a chance to go back to Japan and work back mm-hmm. there. You work, and, uh, yeah, you work with uh, you work with Ace in Japan uh, the second go-around, right? I worked with Ace and Kibashi, yeah. They, uh, they teamed Ace and I together a good bit, then they put me and Ace and Kibashi together. Uh, in a three-man tag team, and um, but I literally just had to walk out on Bischoff. He wouldn't let me out of my last year of the deal. Said he was going to hold my feet to the fire, and uh, I knew wow. I was done. I didn't care what he said. I was gone, and uh, I was supposed yeah. to be in a pay-per-view somewhere. I don't know where it was at. I think it was Tupelo, Mississippi. I was supposed to be in a pay-per-view, and the only person I told that I wasn't going to be there was Bagwell. And uh, I was on a plane back to Tokyo. I, I was done. Whether they were going to let me out of my contract or not, I just walked out on them and jumped on a plane and took a flight to Tokyo. Mm. And just, yeah, I, I can definitely see that. And just, you know, like I said, the steam that was building from, you know, the few years that people knew of the Patriot and seem, seems like, you know, that, you know, you'd be more a little bit more prominent uh, there. Uh, you definitely had a chance to be prominent uh, when you went to the WWE uh, in 1997, and um, you know after after uh, another run in Japan, you went to the WWE. So let us know your transition from Japan. How did you get the spot uh, to be a WWE wrestler? Actually, that's one of our questions in the chat room. How how did you get called to the WWE? Well, I had literally been in often on again conversations with them since the early nineties about going to work with them. Uh, I actually went up sometime and in the early nineties, I can't remember exactly what year it was, and, and spent several weeks out on the road working and uh, with them. And, and, and so there was always that that flirtatious talk there about getting together and going to work for them, but it never worked out really. Um, but Bruce Pritchett, who uh, worked with me in, in the GWF, was now working uh, in the WWE, or the WWF at this particular time. So Bruce was the one that had contacted me uh, about coming to work there. And uh, I uh, I was ready uh, to get back to the States again because of the physical nature uh, of the way we did things in uh 
all Japan, it was starting to take a toll on my body, and I'd already suffered some major injuries that were really having an effect on me and affecting my ability to do things in the ring. And I'd already had some major surgeries that uh, were just really, really starting to slow me down. And uh, I figured if I'm ever going to get the opportunity to work for Vince and go back home and work for the WWF, now's the time to do it. And uh, so that's when I, uh, I, I took him up on the opportunity to go to work for him. I met with Vince. I flew into a, uh, WWE headquarters and met with Vince and Jim Ross and sat down and we hammered out a deal and uh, I signed a three-year deal with them and, and agreed to go to work for them. And that time was extremely controversial as far as just the fans and uh, just it was all kinds of just uh, intensity <laughs> the time that you were there uh, and you almost got immediately you know, uh, just dumped into uh, the fire feuding with someone like Bret Hart and, and just really in the the heart of the Attitude Era. Uh, just let us know how it was. I'm sure that uh, you've dealt with a lot of fans in, in, in Japan and, and WCW, and your time in GWF, you were the guy. You were just... Uh, you know, there were so many. You were you were such a huge baby face that you know, so many people were were cheering you. And I'm sure you didn't witness what you witnessed in the in the WWE uh, during just the 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 advent of the Attitude Era with other with with new types of fans, and of course your patriotic uh, gimmick uh, and feuding with. Bret Hart, who was uh, at the time a huge heel with his anti-American gimmick and the times that you were going to Canada and just, you know, have, receive a chorus of booze. And, of course, you treated with Bulldog and, you know, other, um, you know, other notable names at, at the time. But, man, how was it being a part of that era as the Patriot gimmick and such, you know, and, and let us know how much of a, a difference it was from, you know, six, seven years back in your days with GWF. Well, obviously, you're on a much bigger stage than you were in the GWF. Uh, but, you know, I had wrestled on the big stage before with WCW uh, in Japan. But uh, this was different. Uh, you know, this had more of a worldwide appeal to it than either one of those companies did. Now, I don't know that the WWF's fan base was any more intense or rabid at that time than all Japan's fan base was, but you just had a much more broader worldwide appeal to it, uh, you know, than, than, than all Japan did. And, um, you know, when I first got there, uh, it was obvious that Vince wanted me there. Uh, he just wasn't so sure about the Patriot character uh, the gimmick itself. He just wasn't sure that at that particular time in the wrestling industry, in the beginning of that attitude era, could a mass character get over? And uh, I think he just sort of had this wait and see approach about it, but it got over. And it got over very quick, and, and, and so much so that they dropped me right in the middle uh, of that feud with Brett, who was on his anti American mm -hmm. uh, campaign and the Hart Foundation. And uh, it was just a perfect landing spot for me. And, you know, it vaulted me right to the top there, working with him and working with Davey Boy and working with Owen and uh, working with the Hart Foundation. 
And um, so it was it was exciting to be a part of it. Uh, and it was also a different atmosphere there as well, too. I sensed that um, while I was a, an established star, uh, I'd been a top guy to any company I'd, I'd ever worked at. So I was a very established star in the industry. But I, I, I sensed that Brett probably wasn't that thrilled about having to work with me uh, in the position that we were in because I wasn't an established WWF star. I was an established star. But I wasn't an established WWF star. He'd been there a long time, and he was also that was that was the very infancy in the beginning of uh, of just that heat between he, between he and Sean, and of course Sean had his group and his faction, and then of course Brett had his group, and there was just that that heat and intensity intensity between those guys that I was watching build too. So it was really interesting to be in the mix of that whole thing, man. There was a lot going on. Yeah. It definitely was. And you talk about animosity. Um, you know, you, you had a pretty short tenure there, um, probably, what, a year or so uh, in, the, in the WWE. What caused your departure in the WWE, and how was it as far as backstage? Was it uh, uh, was the environment conducive to your liking? Was it uh, did you have any legitimate heat with with anyone at that time? Uh, what what caused your departure? Well, my my departure was pure and simple. One thing and one thing only: my health. I, I couldn't continue mm. to go. I had blown a knee out in Japan. I had ripped my tricep. I'd literally ripped my tricep tendon off the bone on two separate occasions. Uh, the first time I did it, I had it repaired. I went back to work, and it ripped again. And at this point in time, I'd been working about a year with it that way. I'd been working about a year and a half with a knee that if I had not worn a knee brace, I wouldn't have been able to even move in the ring. And um, I just physically was literally beat up. I was physically done. I just could not continue to go. And um, uh, that's the one and the only reason that, that my career there ended. It was just because of mm. uh, cro- chronic reoccurring injuries that I just, I just couldn't overcome. I couldn't. It just finally got the best of me. And uh, I got wow. along with everybody there. I, I, I had no backstage heat with anybody. I, uh, you know, I found out later that Brett had gone to Vince and uh, – you know, made some comments, and and I was I I, I told I told Brett uh, there were certain things that at times maybe uh, uh, you know they wanted us to do in the ring, and just because of the limitations that I was now dealing with because of my injuries, I just couldn't do certain things, and um, and I found out later that Brett went to Vince and you know complained to Vince about that that basically this is a guy that's just you know being held together by duct tape and athletic tape and. You know, he's just beat up, he's worn out, and, you know, he's limited in what he can do in some capacity. Uh, But yet, you know, I felt like I could do anything they had asked me to do. But uh, my body just failed me, man, gave out on me, couldn't continue to go. And that was pure, simple, the only reason my career ended there, or that my career ended, period. Wow. So, yeah, so you you retired shortly after that, am I correct? Oh, immediately. I... uh, we were getting ready to go on a Middle East tour, uh, uh, I think, into Israel and, and, and some surrounding countries there. And uh, I just couldn't do it, man. I could not do it. I was sick and tired of having to deal with the injury, with the pain, with the, the vicious cycle of pain medication, sleeping pills, muscle relaxers. 
just to be able to work out, just to be able to get to the ring, to limp to the ring. Uh, you know, I just couldn't train the way I used to. I couldn't do the things in the ring that I needed to do. It was just constant pain. And uh, I met with uh, with an orthopedic surgeon, and we had a long talk. And um, a few days later, uh, I was on a conference call with Vince and Jr. and my doctor and myself, and we all decided that in the best interest of my health and well-being that I needed to call it quits. And uh, I, um, I I just had no other choice. I physically was done. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, that's definitely uh, very, very interesting. And, you know, even the, the, the time that you had in your, you know, career, you know, it was still, you know, it was still memorable. You know, about 10 years or so. Uh, and, and the business was still a, a very memorable uh, tenure that you had in wrestling. So after you retired, what did you decide to do after that? Well, the first couple of years, I really didn't do anything except go through surgeries and, and recuperation from surgeries. And, and it, man, it was, it was just, it was a nightmare. And um, it, um, it, it led to a, a uh, very painful and, and life-changing um, uh, addiction to a prescription pain medication that was just, uh, I mean, just the lowest point of my life that I'd ever gone through, the worst thing I'd ever gone through, uh, that drastically affected my life. And, um, you know, it started out innocent enough, just a guy trying to take a couple of pain pills to get through a match to continue doing what he's supposed to do, what he's getting paid very well to do, what he's worked very hard to do, what he's dreamed of doing, uh, but it's a very physical business. And in order to continue to go, you know, there were nights that you had to take the medication, and that eventually turned into just an absolute horrible addiction that just altered my life drastically for several years. And um, but wow. I was very fortunate, very fortunate, and very blessed that the, the Lord was very merciful, and He uh, spared my life and saved my life and gave me a another opportunity in life and uh so uh that's where we are today fast forward all these years uh still here in south carolina and uh still do things that are associated with the business personal appearances and things like that but uh, uh-huh. you know have moved on and, and and gone to the next chapter in my life that's awesome before we go uh, i got a couple things i'm just going to Throw out a few names to you and let me know your thoughts on them real quick. Thoughts. Um, talking about fast forward, you, you're working on a project right now just to let people know about uh, the the life and times of the Patriot Del Wilkes, actually called Behind the Mask. Let us know a little bit more about that and uh, when you plan on releasing it. Well, working with a great guy, Michael Elliott, is the producer of this. And uh, he's done some great work on Rock and Roll Express, Magnum, TA, um, uh, and uh, many other guys, uh, uh, Boogeyman, Jimmy Valiant, and uh, just tremendous, tremendous work. And uh, that's in the works right now and uh, should be done sometime later this summer, maybe early fall. It'll be a two-DVD disc set that will not only cover my, uh, my wrestling career, but it also will cover my my football career as well. I'm uh, very fortunate that I had a very good football career, and uh, so there'll uh, there'll be some interviews there with with some of my teammates in college, some of my coaches. There'll be some 
uh, footage from, from a lot of the games. And then, uh, of course, that will then go into the wrestling end of it. And, uh, and got some great people on, on here who have uh, uh, agreed to participate in it and take part. And um, don't want to let a, an awful lot out of the bag, but just some some great people like Bagwell and, and Greg Ganya and Stan Hansen and uh, many many others that have agreed to uh, take part in get, take part in this project and participate in it. So we're looking forward to the completion of it and looking forward to the release of it. And just um, we're excited about it. And I want to urge everybody that when they do have the opportunity and it's finally released. Uh, to make sure they get one, because I think they'll greatly, greatly enjoy some just wonderful work by Michael Elliott. Absolutely amazing. All right, real quick before I go, every time I interview someone on the show, I do a uh, a name association, uh, throw a few names, three or four names at you, let me know uh, your, your overall thoughts on them. Let's start with Eric Bischoff. Uh, a good mind for the business. Um eager to learn. Um, that's about all I'll say. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> what about, okay, how about Hulk Hogan? Uh, obviously the guy that changed the business. There, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He, he, he literally changed our business from a local, regional business to a worldwide business. And, and he uh, more than anybody else, of course, along with Vince, uh, they're responsible for that. But the guy that forever changed professional wrestling and took it from just a regional level to a worldwide acceptable level. It used to be that being a wrestling fan, you know, a lot of people looked down their nose at you. If you were a wrestling fan, they considered most of them just dumb southern hayseeds. But uh, he made it cool to be a wrestling fan. Absolutely awesome. How about Bret Hart? Great. Uh, a true professional, one of, the, one of the best professionals I ever, a consummate professional. Bret was very serious about what he did. He was very serious about his work. Of course, being brought up in the family that he was in, uh, around his dad and around his brothers. Uh, I mean, it was uh, he was good, the consummate professional. Awesome. And, and then finally, Vince McMahon. He's the greatest promoter that's ever lived. I mean, he's talk about uh, Barnum and Bailey and Colonel Tom Parker, but man, Vince is the best. He's the best, the best promoter that's that's ever been. There's uh, there's no doubt about it. Sir, it's been absolutely a pleasure, pleasure, pleasure to talk with you. I think you actually taken. Uh, I think you've actually taken the record. I've, I've interviewed many, many people. Uh, many, many established wrestlers uh, in my three years of Pancakes Power Slam. I think you've taken the record, or maybe I have to see, maybe maybe close to the record of uh, of uh, the longest one, uh, which, you know, so that means there is some, some good substance. We've got a lot of people in the WeAreWrestling.net uh, live chat saying they're just glued in and listening to the interview. So I want to thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Any closing thoughts? Well, I appreciate you guys having me on, and I appreciate all the wrestling fans. They're the ones that, that, that make it possible for any of us that have ever earned one penny in that business. They're the ones that bought the tickets. They bought our T-shirts. They bought our action figures. Uh, they bought anything with our likeness on it. But without them, there would have never, ever, ever, ever been a need for us. So I say thanks to each and every one of you. 
Absolutely. My pleasure talking to you tonight, sir, and all the best in your future uh, work, sir. Same to you. Thank you for having me. All right. Have a good night. Bye-bye. All right. Bring what you got. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. Four corners. Three. On mine. Let's go. The whole squad is making it clear We taking this year You know who we are But you don't know why we here So this is where the big boys play These big boys play Like who defies the living guy Get out the big boys way Outsiders with the swoop in We live as kings You see in us But our third man waits in the wings And when the time is right We shock him with the proper attack I go for dolo but ain't solo Cut the promo in black Hollywood Hendrix Prizzle Pinning them to the max. And I'm Das Wonderkin with the strength of a hundred men. With one intent to see the will fulfilled of the one who sent his son to give himself. But you rap about your gas and your rags torture. White coffins when I drop a bomb. My mic's awesome. Never lost faith. You in all space. You can all skate. Suffer but never crippled. No bin walls in my cross face. From here to Saturday raving. Anticipating. I was frostbit. Now I am glacier. Mixed with some Vader. Get to hawking with these animals. Using God for my defense in Alabama We jamming, that's beautiful Bobby E and me and Priest We the dangerous alliance, nah, the Harlem Heat Tie the do-rag before we do battle You're talking sheep, you all what you speak This too sweet Till the genre is took back We repping that wolf pack The foundation shaking, no mistaking Yeah, we shook that Trust in God, we trust Pushing forward, never look back Meekness ain't at all weakness Some people mistook that Stamping out this crook rap He turning the power we're on, on the razor's edge, leg drop after a power bomb. Tired of the lies, man, we bringing the truth through. Diligent and fruitful, the owners in our group too. It's good to be king, sold out this war is brutal. We playing them war games, our army go move too. You too, I'm in the Raptors with a bat in my hand. And stand to shatter all your plans so they don't matter. And the grand scheme is that easy. We tag teaming, Donna Brothers, we love it. Demand the win, establish it. This the clash of the champions. <laughs> this is where the big boys play, huh? We ain't here to play. Three-year anniversary show. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, there's only about 15 minutes left, but that was a fantastic interview. Surpassed any type of expectation I can have. And, of course, why, how could I have a three-year anniversary show without my boy, Derek? Ladies and gentlemen, wow, thank you so much. Thank you, the Patriot Dale Wilkes, for a fantastic interview. Derek, the floor is yours, man. Hey, the floor is mine. It's pancakes and power slams. Let's say something. Dale Wilkes was phenomenal, phenomenal. Chris Featherstone, thank you so much for bringing him to the pancakes and power slams. He's got so much history. He's got so much knowledge, even with the old territory system. I mean, he cut the tail end of that, but however, he still has stories about that. He's got stories about the WWE and the Stone Cold and Bret Hart. He was here tonight, Pancakes and Power Slam. I mean, the new Tuesday night site here, live, in charge. I mean, we are wrestling.net. The chat room's on fire. I mean, everything is just, it's, it's a blaze. This is three-year anniversary. This is an absolute celebration. Everyone's going nuts here in the studio. 
Yes, three-year anniversary. Thank you so much, everyone, for continuing to support. I'm so excited. It's been so amazing. I'm so just humbled and just excited about uh, just the the future of the show. Three-year anniversary, so excited about it. So we're just going to run through Raw just real quick, and we're just going to flood in the WeAreWrestling.net chat room with trivia, trivia, trivia. Everyone knows trivia is my, uh, my 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 trademark, so to speak. Uh, you know, we uh, we had the interview, but hey, I'll give you a trivia question. The trivia question is: What was the WWE Championship match at WrestleMania Eight? What was the WWE Championship match at WrestleMania Eight? Hope you have insurance. Fire. Thank thank you. I appreciate that. That was that was absolutely a, a very clever and witty comment there. Again, uh trivia question on deck was what was the WWE championship match at WrestleMania eight? All right, let's just go through uh, uh Raw and, and give uh, let us know our takeaways. It was in Austin, Texas, and I've talked about this before. It's very very baby faced heel true you know true to life baby face and heel crowd we we saw a lot of booze and Seth Rollins and we saw a a very surprising amount of cheers from my boy Roman Reigns which I was very excited about of course we have Seth Rollins uh gloating about the authorities uh um success at WrestleMania and of course real quick uh we're going to talk about Raw real quick and then uh, our our flavor of the week is the 5 uh, most patriotic gimmicks uh, of, of wrestling history. And, of course, let us know your thoughts over the RealWrestling.net chat room, which is a blazing, and, all, and also uh, the Bleacher Report, uh, and also the um, Blog Talk Radio chat room as well. So, you know, of course we get the authority. Like I said, every week, it just seems like every week it starts with the authority, Cena, Triple H, or, or you know, part of the mix. Uh, then we get some uh, – or. Uh, and then we get Rollins talking about, you know, Big Show, Show putting over Rollins, and Rollins, Rollins put over Show, and them kind of mocking Kane because he didn't really do anything at WrestleMania. And then we, and this leads to uh, <laughs> interesting comments over at uh, RealWrestling.net. My boy Roman, uh, see ya. <laughs> Very interesting. And then, of course, Savage versus Flair was the uh, main event at uh, WrestleMania 8. Uh, great job. Uh, who beat the Hart Foundation to win the WWE Tag Team titles at WrestleMania 7 is the, is the next trivia question. And then, of course, we get uh, the, the Raw was just revolved around the triple threat match and also uh, each person in the, in the triple threat match, which is which is Orton, Ryback, and also Roman Reigns having singles matches themselves. Uh, we saw uh, Randy Orton defeating Kane by disqualification. Uh, uh, we also uh, saw Seth Rollins uh, defeating Neville, which was a very good, a very very good match. I've said before, uh, I not too. I'm not. I'm not as big as uh, NXT should be a separate entity of itself. Uh, but Neville's definitely shown on a big stage that he can he can hang with, you know with the boys. And this match with with Seth Rollins was absolutely amazing. Then we got the open invitational U.S. title match: John Cena versus Stardust. Uh, he, he he's definitely. 
I love what, you know, people know I'm not a Cena guy, and next week we'll talk about the podcast because we don't have enough time to talk about the podcast this week. Uh, We'll talk about the Hall of Fame next week, too, um, because uh, of of the interview, which was absolutely amazing again. But John Cena, Stardust, I like what they're doing with that uh, as far as John Cena. Bella Twins against Paige and Naomi. You hype up the Bella Twins against Paige and AJ at WrestleMania just in the lose at Raw against Paige and Naomi. Uh, Luke Harper and Ryback. Ryback wins. Way to put over Ryback. New Day versus Lucha Dragons. Um, people know I'm, I'm, new, I'm a New Day guy. Oh, I'm, uh, just, uh, I'm a biggie guy more than anything. And then by default, I'm a New Day guy, but they're they're kind of playing it to the heelish tendencies with the New Day, the whole New Day sucks chant. They're actually kind of mocking it, and it's working for the New Day. So looks like we might have a heel turn coming around there. Roman Reigns uh, defeating Big Show. I love how they're using really bona fide heels to, to really work with Roman Reigns. We've talked about that before in the show. Uh, decent match there, way to put over uh, Roman Reigns. And, of course, Sheamus. Uh, with his new bad streak, uh, beating Mark Henry, Miz beating Damian Mizdale. I don't know why they just had that match on Raw and clean. I don't know why they're doing that. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Randy Orton uh, defeating uh, Roman uh, Roman Reigns and uh, and Ryback. It seems like they're do they're do- going to do something with Kane and Ryback or J and J Security and Ryback, and then they they also do something with Big Show and Roman Reigns at Extreme Rules. Uh, so let us know your takeaways from from Raw, dear. Well, the takeaways you kind of forgot to mention. Remember the primetime players had that uh, angle, or at least a promo against the Ascension last night. Yeah, the Ascension. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Central Cone or whatever fell off his uh, shoulder pads. I had to give that great comedy relief. Uh, for much as Raw, I'd give it like a C minus, C average. Ms. Ms. Dow, that was a that was a horrible start to a, a feud. Uh, grabbing the tights, I just it deserves better. I'm going to be upset if they really bomb this one like they did with Goldust and Stardust. Stardust did have a good match last night against Cena. I do like what they're doing with Cena, maybe pumping up the U.S. Championship. But we got Flavor of the Week coming up, and we're going to be talking about patriotic gimmicks. So. Uh, Mm-hmm. It is now time for the flavor of the week. Great setup there. Flavor of the week time. Top five patriotic gimmicks. And before we do that, uh, great job with the trivia. Indeed, it was the Nasty Boys. Uh, next question is who won the um, who who won the Money in the Bank at WrestleMania 24? Who won the Money in the Bank at WrestleMania 24? Okay, real quick, top five patriotic gimmicks. Uh, what uh, <laughs> we keep we keep getting uh, comments of where did uh, the Dale Wilkes play football? Um, he, he mentioned it. On the, he mentioned it earlier in the interview. He played high school. He played football uh, for in college for South Carolina, and he played for the Atlanta Falcons before he got uh, cut. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I, I believe he said the Atlanta Falcons. Um, all right, real quick, 
the top five patriotic gimmicks. Uh, we have uh, number five being Kurt Angle. Uh, of course, he. Uh, we, we didn't have enough time, but uh, the, the uh, taking the, the metal music from, from the Patriots uh, was an also an interesting uh, uh, discussion topic, <laughs> very, very much so. Uh, and CM Punk is the correct answer. Good job. And so Kurt Angle with his metal and his patriotic, yes, he was a heel, but he was very patriotic uh, in his gimmick. The three eyes and wearing the, all the American gear and being the Olympic gold medal is very patriotic. And, of course, um, you know, he, he was, uh, he, you know, he won the Olympic gold medal and uh, represented the, the country well and, and, and transcended that to uh, his wrestling career and made it very known. Number four, we have the Patriot, Del Wilkes, of course, you know, spent uh, the, the majority of his career of being the Patriot gimmick, which is absolutely uh, awesome. Number three, we have Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, he was, uh, you know, just a very uh, patriotic G.I. Joe, and I was really into that. It was very awesome. Uh, and, of course, his uh, turncoat uh, made it even more shocking when he turned his back on his country. Number two is Hacksaw Jim Duggan, or as, if we were in the Mid-South, it would be Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Uh, Duggan! Because, I mean, just, <laughs> Duggan, <laughs> just because of the USA, and just it speaks for itself. He was the American guy, as, as crazy and eccentric as, as he was. And number one, of course, without question, goes to the immortal Hulk Hogan, who has the real American theme song and has everything in between. He was the epitome of the American character. Derek, let's know your, let, let us know your thoughts. Uh, I give the list a lot. I would almost put maybe, I think, Thursday Slaughter would be number two. Kurt Angle would be three. Patriot four. And I almost put Hacksaw at five. And Kurt Angle, he won the, or the, the Olympics for uh, – a gold freaking medal with a broken freaking neck. I think the guy's yeah. amazing. Red, white, and blue. Hulk Hogan, of course. Sergeant Slaughter, he used to come in in like a camouflage Cadillac, if I remember, with the U.S. Mm. flags. And, yeah, the Patriot, obviously, I mean, the mask says itself. And um, the short amount of time the Patriot was in WWE, I mean, I won't forget it. I never have forgotten it. Team America against Team Canada, absolutely amazing. Yeah, I, I agree with the list total. Honorable mention, we got the Lex Express and maybe Cole yeah. Kirshner, and not so much. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, an awesome list. I mean, yeah, a wonderful yeah. end. Beautiful episode, man. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. I really appreciate you uh, just riding along with me, man. Three years strong, and this is just the beginning. Thank you so much uh, for everyone who joined us over the RealWrestling.net chat room or, or interesting uh, uh, <laughs> uh, mention of Mr. America. <laughs> and of course, that was uh, uh, jokingly. Uh, but, yeah, that's another Flavor of the Week topic in itself, uh, failed um, characters like Mr. America and, and Juan Cena, <laughs> you know, masked characters, uh, Mr. America and Juan Cena <laughs> when he was fired for a little bit. That's another topic for another day. But, ladies and gentlemen, I, I oh, just 
I so thank you so much for just continuing to support the show. I have so much fun every single week. Uh, you know, just uh, I'm in PhD classes right now. That's how much you can tell that I still, you know, even with my crazy, crazy schedule uh, and within writing and just, you know, everything that I do more than, more than everything. I'm a, I have a beautiful wife and, and two kids, uh, but just, uh, I'm so thankful for continue for you guys continuing to support you guys over at RealWrestling.net, you guys on the Blog Talk Radio uh, live chat, you guys on the, the Crave Wrestling Facebook page who continue to be interactive every single day on that page. I love that page. And, of course, uh, Crave Wrestling through Twitter. I thank you. Thank you so much. Three years, ladies and gentlemen. This is just the beginning. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Dale Wilkes. And until next week, uh, I, I appreciate you guys so much. And 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 thank you. Continue to support. God bless. Daddy loves in Elijah. And good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.